0: Talk It Out Podcast is brought to you by TIO Did you know there are more than 500,000 people homeless in America? Many of these people need access to pads and tampons. So Talk It Out is dedicating April 1st through May 25th to our annual Pads and Tampons Drive. People like you can donate to paypal.me slash it out or cash out Talk It Out Podcast to contribute to the
1: cause. Now here's your show, Talk It Out Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk It Out Podcast. This is your girl, Gabby. And Let's talk about um, the two white ladies that adopted all those black children. Um, One of whom became a viral sensation a couple years back And then they committed murder-suicide We're going to talk about um, Stephen Clark And, you know, uh, the tragedy of his death As well as some of his problematicness And um, black women and our response to um, his death And should we be marching forward and stuff like that We're also going to talk a little bit about periods KT and I, because we have them and we're going to tell you a little bit about our, our pad and tampon drive for those in need. And we're going to wrap it up with uh, talking a little bit about um, economics and getting paid living wages. So we are joined with two wonderful guests who have been a part of the Talk It Out family for a long time. We got Dee Dee up on the show and we got Charnel up here on the show. And they're going to introduce themselves and let you know where you can find them.
2: Hey, hey everybody! It's a uh, DD first time I'm talking out, so I'm gonna try not to be too nervous because this is awesome. Okay. So, <laughs> so yes, that's all I got. Next,
1: okay.
3: <laughs> hey guys, it's Charnel uh, from What Did You Do and What About Your Friends and Boys Love Beyonce, and I'm always honored to be here because I love these girls.
1: Whoa! We will put our, their, their stuff if they want us to share it in the description box And let you know where you can find them Remember you can hit us up on our social medias Facebook at Talk It Out Podcast Instagram at Talk It Out Podcast And Twitter at Talk it Out underscore pod Visit our website TIOpodcast.com Where you can listen to episodes, buy merch Read blog posts when they get updated by KT And all that good stuff So uh, we're going to get right into this conversation so um yeah it's been a tragedy that uh this story that's been released about these two moms who um adopted all of these kids these black children and one of whom Devonte, who uh, was 15 uh, back in 2014 when the ferguson protests were um were going on His picture went viral all over Facebook. All of the white folks were sharing that picture of the little black boy hugging the police officer. He had a sign saying like free hugs or something like that. And then the police officer was like, I'll give you a hug. And he's like crying. And then everybody was like, oh, racism is over. Anyways, I knew right then something was not up back then. And then I found out he had two white moms and so i was like okay that's that's kind of explains it but actually the backstory is actually more tragic because one of the moms had a history of abuse and they were like shunned from everybody they weren't allowed to like communicate with anybody and you know just a lot of manipulation and abuse going on so um Eventually what happened is um, both of the moms were in the car with the children and they drove off a cliff and there was no evidence that they were trying to stop. Um, So pretty much they're just coming to the conclusion that it was intentional. So it was like a murder-suicide. So um, pretty much I just want to know, what do y'all think about it? Like, What do y'all think about this whole story? First of all, what did you think about... um, the picture when it came out back in 2014 like what was your reaction to it and then what do you think now that you know all this information about it
2: the picture was all right when i first saw it i thought i you know need to get like a camera flash and put it in the, in the direction of the kid maybe wake him up mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> uh, um and just hearing about what happened now it's just um don't they do like deep background checks for a potential uh foster parents or yeah, something. so, yeah. Yeah, because um, if they make me wait like two to three hours just to go to Canada, um, I need them to do the same kind of thorough background checking and invasive bullshit so these uh, parents can adopt these kids and whatnot, yeah. if that makes any sense. I don't know, but this, this should have been this shouldn't have happened yeah. at all.
0: I think it's interesting. The original photo was obviously trash, and it was just a way for, um, it was a way for like Rushland Bog and everyone like that to be like, hey, this is great. Black people are now not afraid of the police, even though, like, this obviously didn't make a difference. And, um, also, I feel like, there can be a lot of ways that people can interpret this. Number one, they can interpret this as a way to say that um, LGBT people aren't allowed to adopt children. I feel like mm-hmm. someone's really going good. to twist it that way. like I, Especially because you know it is to moms. They are obviously going to twist it in a way to say that LGBT people are not the right type of people to actually raise children and things like mm-hmm. that. So there's that. Uh, I feel like people are going to make this into um, something else than what it is, really, with that. Uh, I also feel like that, obviously, there has to be some type of, like, it was a white people who decided to do this. Like, there's got to be some kind of, mental thing that goes on here that says, like, I don't know where I'm kind of going with this, but maybe like, maybe they hated their own black children. Does that make sense? I don't know. Like
3: Uh, makes sense to me. I mean, why,
0: why would you, why would you drive your children off on a cliff? And there are like, I'm reading the report and it says that, uh, you know, they never they intended to it looked like they intended to go back to their house and it looked like they intended to do this and this and this but the thing is the fact of the matter is is that there was nothing stopping that car and it looked almost as if it was set up for the car to like go off of the road so mm-hmm. what other point would there be there other than number 1 you're tired of raising your black children And number two, you can't deal with raising your black children. So I think this is, I think this has to do with race.
3: Um, But this is something that's like near and dear to my heart only because I do a lot of foster care work and adoptive work and I feel bad one, because there's a lot of abuse that goes on in foster homes that goes unreported because kids move so often, Mm -hmm. Um, especially Mm -hmm. young kids and kids of color. So once you find a home that feels "quote unquote" safe, and as normal as like you think you're going to get, you don't want to leave it because the last thing you want is more trauma. Yes. And so, reading this story and knowing that they were begging neighbors for food and telling neighbors to leave food by the fence and you know things like that just irritates me. Also, because these kids, these don't look like abusive parents "quote unquote." You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So everyone's going to look at these very you know attractive you know white moms as if they don't do anything wrong and they they can they can do the whole Brie and thing and have the outside look great and have the inside be hell and so i feel like there's a lot of balls that got dropped here and because of that we lost uh six kids because of it and i think a lot of it has to do with race too there is a burden to raising um i i, I don't want to say they're all black some of them look like they're mixed race or something else but raising kids of color when you don't have shared experiences or like, mm-hmm. or any kind of, you know, if you don't have very visceral and emotional connection to them, if everything you know is cerebral, we know no shade to Kate here any queer white women out there, but for whatever reason, white lesbians feel like, because they read a lot, they know a lot. No, um, <laughs> no,
1: no shade. That's true. That's
3: true.
1: That's true.
3: So it's just, it's all these things that is, there's probably a level of saviorism here. Um, and they said so the burden sometimes becomes too great and you don't want it want if you if you give them back. That's a sign of neglect. Um, you give them back. It's called disruptive adoption. And it goes on your record. You're never allowed to adopt foster children again. Mm. And doing that also invites them to investigate your home and what's been going on. So you'd probably go to prison. So there's a lot of factors that go into this. Um, and maybe they just felt super overwhelmed. Maybe their own mental illness. I don't want to give them any outs or involve them of any guilt. But all those things, you know, intersecting and coming together cause this, you know, terrible thing to happen. And it's heartbreaking. Um, Like I said, one, because little brown babies, and two, because the foster care system, as much as it's supposed to be in place to protect these kids, ends up failing them. And that's how I feel.
1: (laughs) And then, like, um, I don't know if anybody said it yet, but, like, they were, she was at school, one of the kids was at school, and the teacher saw the bruises on the girl. And um, oh the mom got in trouble, and then it, what did it say? She get um, three months suspended jail sentence. Shouldn't that have started the investigation? Like, shouldn't it that is- have? Because I don't, I don't know, but it's yeah, like you said, a lot of people dropped the ball. It's just, it's just so sad. But like KT said, this will also, you know, it's coming probably on Fox News. They gonna bring up the lesbian part. And say mm-hmm. oh they're already mentally Something going on That's why lesbians shouldn't be adopting kids But ooh, It's just a terrible 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 story But it really uh, is. But yeah.
0: what's crazy is, is like This is not Um, I just Like cause in my own experience I see a lot of White lesbians Like adopt either mixed race Children or black children Like why Like, like, I'm glad they're adopting children, yes, but at the same time, like, I don't feel as if, like, what if this happens again? I don't know.
3: No, I think uh, one of the things that um, people also don't always (laughs) see, um, and it's an unfortunate part of it, and I do a lot of advocacy work in my community to inspire or galvanize people of color to adopt and foster kids, is that there just are not a lot of viable homes for that are um, led by people of color mm. in a lot of states that can foster or adopt kids. Like there are a lot of, you can go into the socioeconomic side of it. The other side is that they're they don't they're not reached out to it either. They're like they're the ones who get left out. When you go to these a lot of foster adoptive agencies go to like, uh, um you know farmers markets and town mm. festivals and fairs that my folks ain't running up in. They right. No fried. You know, things like that. So you have all these homes, and they refuse to go into, like, churches because, God forbid, you bring in faith-based organizations or <laughs> anything. Used refuse to go into black yeah. churches. Used refuse to go into these places where, you know, you would say the homes wouldn't necessarily, or neighborhoods would necessarily be safe when there are very capable parents in those places. So that's why there ends up being a lot of um, transracial adoption, and a lot of interracial families. But at the same time, people don't do the homework. Like, you're going to take in black babies, You've got to do the black homework. You've got to understand. Like I'm not going to know how to answer these questions. Right. I need to find me a black who's willing to help, or get me a social worker and suggest that she is black or he is black. You know, you got to do. You got to do the work, and a lot of people just don't do it. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: true. Yeah, what about what about your experience? I know you have. Um, you grew up with a white a family who actually adopted a black child can you tell us a little bit
1: about that yeah i've talked about his story before but actually it's like now it's like really getting deep this year so i had a racist friend who um had a black brother and uh yeah she she was always showing everybody her black brother um it was the the home was very conservative evangelical like I said, the girl was racist, but I was her token black friend and he was her token black brother. Anyways, so pretty much, you know, growing in that environment, the the boy is going to get confused real bad, especially since they didn't tell him he was adopted till the boy was like in high school. So um, what? now um, the boy this this last week. He, something happened where, I don't know, maybe the the boy's gay or queer or something like that. He told one of his um friends, hey, I like this dude. And he said, you better not tell nobody or I'm going to kill you. And, of course, the dude ran to the principal and said, this dude is, he's giving me death threats, this, that, and the other. They they said they they were gonna beef up security. They were gonna bring the police and everything up there. The boy was suspended and then eventually got expelled. And so I'm like, I don't even, I, I don't even wanna know what that boy is going through because the the home was already super racist, conservative, homophobic. This is a black queer child living in this white racist conservative family i can't even imagine the the crap he's going through so all i can do is pray for the boy but stuff like that like mm-mm. if you if that's the type of home you're in you don't need to be adopting no black kids because you wouldn't even be able to fathom what they're going through you have no black friends no black family mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not a healthy environment for them If Joy Joy was here, she would
0: say, oh, we're
1: talking about stuff so heavy. It's so heavy. It is. It's a heavy, heavy day. All right.
0: (laughs) Stefan
1: Clark. Um, When was this, last week? uh, March 18th. uh, He
0: was shot and killed on the evening of March 18th by two officers of the Sacramento Police Department in Sacramento, California. Uh, The officers were looking for a suspect who was breaking windows in the Meadowview neighborhood and confronted Clark, an unarmed 22-year-old black man whom they found in the yard of his grandmother's house where he resided. Uh, He ran from the police in an encounter that was filmed by police video cameras. The officers stated that they shot Clark, firing 20 rounds, believing that he had pointed a gun at them. After shooting, police reported that he was only carrying a cell phone. cell phone. Yep. According to an independent autopsy, Clark was shot eight times, including six times in the back. My yep. gosh, that's crazy. So, yeah that that, is,
1: that was that's that was rough. That was a rough story, and then it became even rougher. Now that um. There's a big debate has started on Twitter and social media because a couple of his past tweets have been pulled up um, where he is pretty much going on this colorist, misogynistic tip. Um, somebody said black is beautiful. He retweeted and said, I don't want nothing black but an Xbox. Dark bees bring dark days. Black bees, less than, less than, less than, I don't want nothing black but an Xbox. And um, so somebody yeah. tweeted him and said, this nigga said, I don't want no black baby. I'm already black. I don't need no black baby. And he replied and said, on God, 100. And then there's just some more stuff saying he don't mess with black girls and this, that, and the other. And so, of course, um, it started a conversation um, about what do we do, especially as a black woman, me, the only black woman here. What do we do when it comes to uh, fighting for justice for people who would not be fighting for us? Now, y'all aren't necessarily in this group, but we can all uh, contribute to the conversation. so, I personally don't think you can choose either way. You can choose to to fight for a justice for or you can choose to sit out. I don't think either one should be demonized because you feel how you feel in each argument or each view ha- is has its legitimacy. So, um, have y'all have y'all seen this conversation on social media? What do y'all think about it? Do you think it's needed, or people just going too deep into it?
2: Um. I only know a little bit about it because I think what the homie uh, Empress journey was talking about it um, on Twitter. And honestly, I'm not surprised. There's a lot of ain't shit dudes out there who think this way and then end up getting, you know, murdered on some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can, <sighs> would it be like wrong to try and separate the two? Like, I mean, because it's fucked up what he's saying, but it's also fucked up that he got shot 20 times for nothing. Right. I mean, I'm not apologizing for who he is or who he was as a person. It's just, you know, he didn't have to go out like that, you know, even though his, his old values was fucked up. You know, there's... Mm-hmm. It sounds like one of them cats should probably uh, be on a fabulous side.
1: Yeah, more than likely.
2: I don't think... See,
3: this is... I don't... I think we can separate the two because it, this is... I didn't know this conversation was happening until you guys told me about it earlier. But this is the conversation that's had every time a straight black man is gunned down by police. Um, specifically because the majority of black men on Twitter defending terrible shit or terrible things like this are the ones who end up being victimized by police officers. And it's <laughs> unfortunate. But... Like it's one of the, it's just a, it's a conversation we have every time is mm-hmm. this man wasn't shit should we be defending him or this man said these things should be defending him he wasn't doing these things or he had you know had domestic violence charges against him all these things come out or he was a terrible daddy he didn't pay his child support was that um mm-hmm. Walter Scott like you know where all these things come out and we have these conversations like should we be marching for black men or not uplifting and encouraging and, and affirming us as well or as far as women. And I think that I can, one, I can't say you shouldn't or should, have, should, not, should, or should not, but I think that no matter what, we're always going to be marching in the streets um, for people who are going to harm us in any kind of way. Um, like as a queer black dude, like I know all the time I'm championing for black dudes who don't give a fuck about me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mm-hmm. same way that black women are always the ones bearing the cross and bearing, uh, bearing the cross and carrying torches for the black men that mistreat them. And until we have a conversation and start uh, utilizing and start actually putting those words into action um, to change the community and the way we see each other and the way we appreciate and show love to each other, it's a conversation that's going to continue to the end of time, I think. And it's unfortunate that we have to have, and as a Black man, to a Black woman, Gabby, I'm sorry that you have to find yourself at these crossroads so often and that we're not doing more to protect So I apologize.
2: But I mean
1: I just know these conversations get exhausting. But, they really do. you know what that reminds me of? Um, Sandra Bland. Like did y'all mm. see all that mm. like homophobic stuff she had said, like in the past, all the videos about the, the gay agenda and all that stuff. Yeah. But that was kind of oh, a, a similar shit. a similar conversation as well. I don't know, uh, KT. I don't think you can add nothing to this right now. But for me, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll give her a scenario to talk about. But for me, I think it's just like, oh, it's I. I will fight for the um, just police uh, justice, police. You know, fighting against police brutality. I don't know necessarily... I know it's wrong the way he died. You know, I might say, oh, R.I.P., because, you know, nobody should die that way. But he, I ain't finna put him on no T-shirt. I ain't finna, like, quote him, you know, you know, yeah. like, have him something like that. But, you know, just as far as justice-wise, it was wrong, of course. But like I said, he's, when I list the names of people, I pro- I don't know. It's, it's kind of... It's just really, really complicated. Because it's like... To deny him is like denying a part of yourself, and it's like, well, I guess I'm not really f- for black people because I'm not in the streets protesting for him, but he wouldn't be protesting for me. So it's like, am I uh, um, betraying my race for my fem- for my feminism or something like that? So I don't, I don't I
0: think know. That goes into how we talked about previously. Not everyone, like in your specific quote unquote group is actually for you and how like you can't just sit here and kumbaya it we gotta kind of talk about it you gotta have these type of conversations to figure out what is going to be the actual stance on or what's going to be the actual outcome of it that makes
1: sense i don't think everybody's gonna come because everybody has different opinions some people saying they will not say his name some people are saying they're gonna say his name all day i don't know (laughs) so kt let me ask you this let's say hypothetically uh, some white woman who was queer like something happened to her an injustice and let's say while she was queer and proud and white she was also super duper fat phobic and was like saying terrible stuff about fat people and stuff like that would you still feel an obligation to um, fight for her if, you know, she was being discriminated against for being a lesbian or a pansexual or something like that? Or would you just be like, girl, you got it? Oh, um,
0: okay. I think of... I kind of, and maybe this is the wrong equation to go with it, but I'm thinking of this in the terms of, um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, okay. like when people are talking about her, like, obviously like she was, she said some racist shit. She's a terrible person. She was uh, saying she was for Trump and things like that. Um, she is a trash person. But that does not take away the fact that she's still trans. If people are talking shit about her being trans, Mm. I feel as if I need to stick up for her. But if people are talking shit about her political views, then that's okay. Like that you can, (laughs) you can have a conversation where you're not talking trash about her being a trans person and how trans people are this and trans people are that. And, and, all these horrible stereotypes about trans people and still like go against her conversation or go against what she's saying
1: but that's the importance of like when you talk about safe spaces it's not twitter isn't a safe space safe space but it's kind of we need like a space where we can just be black and just talk about this stuff because i feel like us talking about it like fox news and everybody from they jump on their jet and say stephen clark hated black women stephen clark you know it doesn't give us a chance to really have nuanced conversations because everybody can see what we're talking about and use it for whatever (laughs) little agenda that they have so
2: you know there's probably nothing we can do other than just speak our piece on it i mean I know there's a lot of folks who don't approve of the way I live or what I do or even the fucking name change. Shout out to the dude that, that I've known for 20 years uh, that had to kick to the fucking curb because a bitch ass called me a he sheet. eat a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, if anything were to happen to him, I'd still fight for him even though he ain't shit. Mm-hmm. It's, I am not for you know innocent lives being took for no goddamn reason, even if they hate me. I'll fight for you regardless, because you know empathy or whatever, common sense probably.
1: I think having
0: a heart.
2: Yeah, I, that too.
0: I think that we can. I think we can have constructive conversations about things and still fight for what we believe. Like the injustices are. Like I don't think that we have to separate those. I think we can do both at the same time. If that makes sense. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah all right on to the next one um we just want to let y'all know that we got this pad and tampon drive starting now april 1st to march 25th information is on our instagram at talk it out podcast but Pretty much, we are going to team up with this organization called Sister Supply, which distributes past and tampons to people in need, whether they be homeless, low income, subsidized housing, all that good stuff. So, all of the funds and proceeds will go to past, tampons, and feminine hygiene products. For them.
0: So, pads are like obviously 100% needed as well as tampons, especially in homeless communities. Um, We talked about this a little bit a few episodes back whenever we were talking with, um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Tamara. Yeah, Tamara. Um, But basically, there are people in the in the homeless community who have periods all the time. Um, yeah, they're not able to, to to basically stay clean and healthy with their their pads and periods. They're using old pads. They're using old period or, or old tampons. They are using tissue paper and making like makeshift tampons out of it. Which to us sounds absolutely crazy, but for them, it's there every time. Once a month, this is what they do. Uh, I even see things on the internet where homeless people were using um, like paper bags Mm. and um, they were using like chip bags and things like that. Can you imagine like putting that near your vagina? No. Right. Um, Mm. So we're basically, the reason why we're doing this is because we see so many homeless people uh, in memphis and in our area who actually need these pads and actually need these tampons and uh we do this at least once a year so that we can basically help those people out
1: all right so if you want to donate go to paypal.me slash talk it out let us know it's for the pad and tampon drive like i said 100 percent Of those funds, will go to providing those um, products for the people in need. All right, last topic. Um, So pretty much uh, we had a guest on the show, Wendy C. Thomas, who came on like a couple months ago or a month or two ago. And so um, she has a website, mlk50.com. And this month what they did was they surveyed the top employers of Memphis And pretty much we're trying to find out if these people were paying everybody living wages. So $15 and over, that's our living wage in Memphis. And majority of the people were not. Even the school system that I work for... No, like people are getting paid like $10, $7 an hour. But because of the pressure that they put on them, they are now raising it to 15 So I want to know a little bit about what What do y'all think about minimum wage? Do you think it should be raised or do you think you know the, the company should decide? And um, what do you say to people that say, well, if we raise the minimum wage, um, the companies won't make any profits or they'll lose money?
2: I do think everyone should get paid a decent livable wage I mean, that's common sense right but you know
3: i say fuck capitalism fuck no <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I do
2: say that too
3: but no yes. i, I see that there are i mean we have to when you think about two sides i mean this is what this is why you elect officials to make these decisions and you hope that they have some kind of comprehensive knowledge or information about what's going on, but you want to protect people, and you want to you want to protect and be allow people to flourish, and you know have access to the the uh, the means to you know seek you know life, liberty, and happiness, and all those things. But you also want to be able to uh, protect businesses, and, you know, i.e., American Dream X Y Z, whatever. Um, I think that here in Connecticut, it's a little different um, okay. than in Memphis. I don't, what was the minimum wage in uh, Tennessee or Memphis before?
1: Um, it's still seven. Uh, Seven-something. I'm going to say 7 30 something
3: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know anything about the cost of living in Memphis or Tennessee either. I'd imagine it's cheaper than living in Connecticut. Yeah, it's
1: way cheaper.
0: It's $15. Uh, like, in, what was it that you had, Gabby? They said
1: to rent a, a house. What did they say? <laughs> they said, like, if you need $15 an hour to have a livable wage and be able to, like, have yeah, a, yeah a house and stuff like
3: yeah, that makes sense. Um if the if the living wage if the cost of living is lower in Connecticut, the cost of living is fucking high. And mm. fifteen dollars is barely enough to wow. do that. Um all right, I think our uh minimum wage was just raised January first to ten ten an hour. Um Ooh. it had been it they had set up a bill in motion like five or six years ago. It went up from like seven sixty five and every year it was supposed to go up like another thirty cents or something like that. It's been Like there's, there's, we're making waves in Connecticut a little bit, but it's still not where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you were going to ask people to spend most of their waking hours at your establishment, doing what I can only imagine stressful, tiring, physical, mental, emotional kind of labor, then you need to pay them and compensate them fairly. I don't think it takes so much. I think if your business is not doing so well enough that you can't afford to pay people living wages without you trying to scrape off your profits. And maybe you shouldn't be in business, or so you need to take a few marketing classes or business courses.
2: Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah. it, it, it's true. Like yeah. I think
3: that if you're if you have a small, bed, if you open a bodega, if you open a corner store, then you, when you open that corner store, you need to make sure you can you only employ the people you can afford to pay, and you know keep your own pockets. If you, I have, I'm the president of a nonprofit, and that and the our executive director makes thirty eight thousand dollars a year. Could she make more? Yes. We could make, as a board, we could decide that. But you have to make sacrifices because that was her dream. She wanted this. Mm-hmm. You need to know what the sacrifices are. So, you know, for the, for the time being, you ain't going to be, you can't bring home 60 K a year. Sorry about that. And mm-hmm. if you were, if your goal was that, then you shouldn't have started a small business. You right. need to understand that. So, so there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, but like I said, if you're going to ask people to spend their time and energy and take away from their lives and their health a lot of times. Stressing at their minimum wage job, you need to raise their wages. It's, it's just it's just a fair thing to do. It's the humane thing to do, I think.
0: And half mm-hmm. the time they don't even provide health care for these minimum wage jobs. Like exactly. at that they don't even provide full-time hours for you to even be able to afford to even have an apartment on your own. You gotta save up with someone else or you got to get a uh, uh, food stamp assistance or you gotta get assistance from the government. So it's like how do you expect people to want to be at your job, number one, and be able to afford like actually living and being healthy if you're not providing them with the basic necessities
1: to actually do that? <gasps> and then Memphis, like we we seen, we noticed this, KT and I, Memphis is one of the poorest metropolitan cities in the country. And these people are arguing over if these folks should have a livable wage. That's the only way this this city is going to survive. These people are in poverty, working several jobs. Hour. That's not that's that's not going to work. So, like you said especially McDonald's and Burger King. You got to be kidding me. You better be paying them folks 15 and some because you are making billions of dollars every year. You increasing uh, mm-hmm. your pay by a couple of dollars. Isn't going to hurt anything. Y'all waste hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing campaigns that don't work. So this will actually help your establishment <laughs> because if people are getting paid more. Oh, maybe productivity will go up. Maybe you might actually get people that want to work there. You know what I'm saying? So and right,
3: still, sense of loyalty and your employees are not running to get
2: to the next job because your job is
3: trash.
1: Right. Yeah. <sighs> I,
2: I mean, you can I mean, what? what's it? What, I think someone in the bay could make like maybe 12, 13 an hour working at Jamba Juice, but you really need like Google executive money to even live out there. It's, mm. Yeah, my home state is expensive as fuck. It's embarrassing.
0: Hmm. I feel like there's a, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pros whenever you're talking about, um, not reducing, but increasing the minimum wage. Like this, I feel like when you increase the minimum wage, then you could reduce literally like a lot of stuff, not only worker productivity or reduce employee turnover and things like that, but like, you could also, um, that's my
1: thoughts, I had it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, it could so get a lot of folks about- off food stamps.
3: Exactly. It's making 15 is- an
1: hour. <laughs> and that, that's something that the Republicans came to want claim to want to do, but they don't want to increase the minimum wage. How does that make sense?
3: Right. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't have to make sense for them, you know? <laughs> but. They're going to stay elected and stay voted in over and over
0: again. I know what I was going to oh. say. Okay, so I feel like it would reduce deficit uh, because basically that means that less people are going to be using welfare programs if you're paying a living, livable wage. So that's yeah. going to like decrease our deficit that we have in the economy, period. So yeah. I, I think it could be really helpful. I yeah. agree. How
2: does Denmark do it? Where's the net? I forget.
1: Switzerland. Some place.
2: Yeah. A lot of folks are doing it's it so way far away better from than Boston what we think happen. we're doing.
1: Yeah. We're actually <laughs> not doing that good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, trash. the rest folks doing good, but
2: it's fine. Right.
1: Yeah. Stuff <laughs> yeah.
3: Right,
1: let's wrap this thing up. Y'all, because I got to edit this episode and release it tomorrow.
3: But all got kinds of bleeps. Episode to do the same thing too. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did y'all see yeah.
1: SoundCloud? You can now schedule when you want to upload it. Yes, I'm yes. so. Ha- I'm doing, I'm doing, doing this right. tonight.
2: It works. Is, is that just for mobile, or do I have to go online to do that? Online, you yeah, have to. Not. I when you, uh, Of course, you have to. Thank have you, file SoundCloud. Want to upload patch So.
1: Yes, cause yeah, I'd be that's... I'd be scrambling in the morning trying to hurry up and upload that and get ready for work. <laughs> it's just too much. A bit.
3: Yeah. But it's dope. All right.
1: Yeah. Well, um, we'll give y'all a chance to uh talk about what y'all doing and where people can find you and we'll get out of here.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, hey, yeah, me. Um, since I forgot to mention this at the beginning, I do have two. I would say three, but um, I haven't heard from that guy in a while. You know, he's like married with kids and shit. So that's yeah. important or something. Um, but yeah, you got um, Right match out Podcast and uh, Casually Sarcastic with Didi and Keisha, Um Yeah, on SoundCloud and whatnot. And you got Twitter and Instagram, both D-E-D-E-E underscore sweets, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right.
2: You guys can find me every Monday on Boys
3: Love Beyonce. Every other Monday on What Did You Do, and every Tuesday. And what about your friends? Good time. You can find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter under one name at Charnelb. C H A R N as in Nancy B I L B.
1: B them both up let them know we sent you and go to our social media facebook at talk it Out podcast instagram at talk it Out podcast twitter at talk it out underscore pod don't forget about that pad and tampon drive like i said information is on instagram we'll put it on facebook tonight or you can learn more and we'll put it in the description uh, of this episode you can find out more information this has been your girl gabby
0: and katie
1: and this has been talk it out Podcast.
0: It out.
1: Yeah.